precious word, what wisdom do your precepts unfold, giving light to my path, yielding mercies untold, giving sight to the blind, so the blind can see, giving light to the dead as the
stand tonight, turn to page number 741. I'm so happy and here's the reason why. All together now. I'm so happy and here's the reason why. Jesus took my burdens all away. again tonight raise your hand amen. amen you ought to be happy so let's sing it again and sing it out loud here we go i'm so happy here's the reason why jesus took my burdens all away I hope that he has taken all of your burdens away and uh, that you are casting your burdens before the Lord. Remember, we worked on that verse in the month of June, and I hope that you're still casting your burdens before the Lord and not carrying them yourself, because uh, when you do, you get loaded down. Well, it's good to see you here tonight. Thank you all for being here. Looking forward to a good service uh, together. Um, and uh, let's go ahead and begin with a word of prayer, and we'll get into the service. Lord, thank you so much for um, all you did for us to... Uh, forgive us of our sins and all that you did on the cross of Calvary to take our burdens away. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would help us to remember that as we go through our lives. Help us, Lord, to cast our burdens uh, before the Lord. Um, and uh, you will uh, sustain us and you will never suffer the righteous to be moved. And we're grateful for that promise. Or thank you for the opportunity to meet together once again tonight. And I pray that this service would be all that you desire to be in our lives and that you would speak to our hearts and that we would uh, be drawn closer to you and to each other as a result. And uh, thank you, Lord, for each one that's here, and I pray you'd speak to each heart in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please remain standing, and uh, we're going to sing Take My Life and Let It Be, three verses of this song, uh, 611 in your hymnal, or the words will be on the screen, 611, Take My Life and Let It Be. Amen. Take my life and let it be, consecrated Lord to Thee. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my hands and let them 
that's good singing. Yeah, you may be seated. Thank you very much. All right. Well, we want to go ahead and do our monthly memory verse, and uh, we're in the month of August, and so we, we have a brand new uh, memory verse to work on uh, as a church family for this month. And uh, we have Isaiah 26, 3 and 4, and uh, we did it this morning, and uh, we'll do it again tonight. But does anybody already have it memorized who would like to quote it tonight? Any hands up for this paragraph? <laughs> all right, not yet. Okay. All right, well, let's go ahead and uh, say it all together here. Ready, begin. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Isaiah 26, 3 through 4. All right, and I hope that that will be a, a memory verse, verses, I guess the correct way to say that there. Uh, for, for this month, that you'll uh, work at hiding these words in your heart, and that you'll live them out. Um, and as you get stressed out, as you start to get scared, as you start to uh, deal with the struggles of life, that you'll focus in on the Lord. Um, and when, you're, when your mind is stayed on the Lord, uh, He's going to keep us in perfect peace. And that's a tremendous promise, and I'm thankful for that. And uh, so I would encourage us to memorize this verse this month, these verses, I should say. All right. Um, so a couple of quick announcements. I um, want to mention the um, activity right after the service. Well, we'll have our service, and then toward the end of the service, we'll, have, uh, we'll go into our uh, church business meeting, and uh, that'll be uh, an encouraging time, I, I believe. And then after that, we'll have uh, the teens and their families are invited to go over to Freddy's over here and more. If you'd like to go and enjoy a good steak burger with some good fries and desserts and all of that, uh, certainly welcome to join us over there. Um, that'll be a lot of fun. Wednesday night, uh, normal midweek service, and then Thursday night, our deacons meeting and board of directors meeting uh, that's uh, scheduled. We'll have that at 630. Uh, Saturday, we do have a couple things. Uh, the teens, uh, anybody interested, uh, any teens interested are going to go to the youth rally in Weatherford. Um, they're going to be having a uh, delicious uh, lunch that they're going to provide and uh, good preaching from uh, Dr. R.B. Roulette. Um, he actually uh, has wrote, written several different books and uh, is a preacher all over the country. And uh, he's going to be preaching right here in our very own Oklahoma. So um, teens interested at 915, we'll meet here at the church. And then uh, Brother and Mrs. Rupel will take you over there and then back, of course, or maybe we'll just leave you there. And uh, no. Also, uh, 10.30 on Saturday, we'll be having our outreach, and uh, for those interested in that as well. Uh, next Sunday, uh, we do have several things uh, in store for next Sunday. We do have communion that we're going to be partaking in the morning service, at the end of that morning service. We're also going to allow the kids to come on over and participate in that. Typically, we do it on Sunday night. But uh, we felt like Sunday morning would be the better option for communion uh, next Sunday. So the kids will come over at the end of the service to uh, sit with their families and uh, partake in that particular aspect of the service. And uh, that's a very important time as we remember the Lord and what He did for us. And uh, also it's an opportunity for us to look inside and examine ourselves and uh, just make sure that we're right with the Lord, right with others. 
And so it's a, it's a good thing. It's a scriptural thing. And so I'm looking forward to doing that next Sunday morning during the morning service. And then the evening we'll have uh, the teen testimonies from teen camp. We weren't able to do that a couple weeks ago, but we're moving that to this coming uh, week from tonight. And then after that, uh, the Rupel's wedding reception that keeps getting bumped. Uh, we're going to move that uh, to uh, this coming or next Sunday night after the service in the fellowship hall. And that'll be a lot of fun and uh, looking forward to that as well. Um, I do want to mention our missionary of the month is a new month, a new month, so new missionary of the month, and that is our the Stensis family, our missionaries to Uganda, and uh, they've been uh, missionaries for over 20 years there, and uh, several different uh, prayer requests that they have. Um, if you go onto their website, they actually uh, put out a, how often are those updates, Seth? Once a month, they'll put out a video update, uh, basically saying, uh, welcome to Uganda, uh, video updates, and uh, they're really helpful. Um, and so you can go and, and uh, watch those there on their website. You can email them, let them know that you're praying for them, but uh, definitely take some time to uh, pray for the Stensis family, if you would, this month for sure, and all of our other missionaries as well, if you can. Uh, we do have a missionary visiting with us uh, this evening. We have uh, Mike Alexander, I was going to say, and Mrs. Shannon. Well, good to have you both here and all of the little ones. So, and uh, just a precious family. And uh, so missionaries to Turkey. And uh, they're currently on deputation trying to raise support to get to the field, and uh, they just happened into our service tonight, and we're so blessed to have them. Thank you for very much for being here. Uh, maybe at the end of the service, I'll have you dismiss some prayer, if you don't mind, um, but uh, just glad to have them here tonight, and good to get to meet them and, and get to know them a little bit. All right, um, I think that's all the announcements I wanted to make, or am I forgetting anything? I think that I got everything that I'm supposed to make uh, tonight. Um, we'll have the children come at this time, if there are any children with a memory verse. And uh, guys in the back, we're going to move to this microphone, uh, my lapel mic here, because uh, I don't think we have the other one up here. Okay, I think we're on, right? All right, very good. Here we go. For all sins and come short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. Very good. Nice. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's right. Thou shalt, sh thou shalt, shalt show me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy. Thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Psalms 11.16. Well, 16.11. 11. Very good. Very good. First Thessalonians 5.18, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Yes, sir. Very good. Proverbs 16.18, Pride goeth before destruction, and a high spirit before a fall. Boom. Very good. Excellent job, kids. Great, great, great. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and stand together and uh, sing... Uh, one more song, page 534 in your hymnal, Tin So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. The words, of course, will be on the screen tonight, 534. Sing it out now, do your best. Tin so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest. 
thank those involved in the music ministry today. Thank you very much. Um, that is one thing that I that is sadly lacking when we uh, go to live stream only. So, um, all right, well, we're going to be in uh, Genesis chapter 44 tonight, Genesis in chapter 44. Uh, we started several weeks ago at the very beginning of the COVID situation way back in March, uh, a series called The Romans 828 Man, and uh, we were looking, at, uh, the li we're looking at the life of Joseph, and Romans 828, of course, says uh, that we, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called, the called according to his purpose. We know that. We have the confidence in that. And so uh, we've been looking at Je the life of Joseph as it relates to Romans 8.28 and how all things do indeed work together. His life is a tremendous illustration and an example of that. And we've seen that already come to pass in his life as we've gone through uh, episode by episode and chapter by chapter, and uh, tonight we're in uh, chapter 44, and uh, we have you we have you seated. But if you don't mind standing, and uh, we'll read uh, the first five verses together and uh, get into the message uh, tonight. Genesis 44 uh, verses one through five. Verse one says, "And he, uh, this is Joseph." commanded the steward of his house, saying, Fill the men's sacks with food, as much as they can carry, and put every man's money in his sack's mouth. Let me turn on my microphone. There you go. Sorry, guys. Uh, and put my cup, verse 2, the silver cup, in the sack's mouth of the youngest, and his corn money. And he did according to the word that Joseph had spoken. As soon as the morning was light, the men were sent away, they and their asses, and when they were gone out of the city and not yet far off, Joseph said unto his steward, Up, follow after the men, and when thou dost overtake them, say unto them, Wherefore have ye rewarded evil for good? Is not this it in which my Lord drinketh, and whereby indeed he divineth? Ye have done evil in so doing. And uh, with that, let's pray one more time together. 
Lord, we're grateful for your word, thankful for the life of Joseph. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would help us to learn the lessons that you have for us tonight in this particular uh, part of the story. And uh, I pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts and help us to have a willing willingness to apply the truth, uh, willingness to go away from this place uh, different because of what we hear tonight. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you. you. may be seated. Well, the title of tonight's message is The Final Exam. All right. This is The Final Exam. Now, raise your hand, and you may be one. And so I kind of wanted to ask the question, how many of you like taking tests? Are there any hands up? There are some hands up. I knew that there might be in this room uh, some very uh, interesting people who need to go see somebody. Um, So most of us who are normal uh, uh, really don't like taking tests. Uh, even thinking about it, how many of you actually despise it and get super nervous about tests? Would you raise your hand? Oh, yes. Yeah, see, these are the normal people in life. Okay. Uh, even thinking about taking tests causes some to break out in a cold sweat. Um, and in school, there's nothing quite like the final exam to put the pressure on. Uh, typically, the final exam, in most cases, counts for quite a bit of the uh, final grade. And I remember uh, there are two tests that really stand out in my life that I took. Uh, I mean, I took this SAT test, and I don't even barely remember that. I took an AP uh, U.S. history test, and I, I didn't do so good on that one. Um, but there was two big tests that I took that I was really nervous about. One was my last test in Bible college, and then the other one took place about... Uh, well, almost five years ago when I took my CDL test uh, in Montana. And uh, I had taken some CDL tests in California to get my bus license uh, when I was a youth pastor in order to be able to drive the church bus on youth activities. Uh, But then when I got to Montana, I realized I was hoping to just say, hey, I've got my CDL, can I just transfer everything over? They said, no, you have to start from scratch. So I had to start from scratch and, and do it all. And I remember uh, the day of the test, and it's, it's an intense deal. I mean, you have to walk around the bus and be able to point to pretty much any and every part in this vehicle, on this vehicle. Uh, they don't usually make you do all of them, but they take you and just point to random uh, parts on the bus and said, tell me about what's underneath there. And you have to be able to explain what you're supposed to be checking. And I don't remember it all right now, but... Um, which is kind of scary because I do have a CDL in my pocket right now, <laughs> and I have no idea what I was supposed to, what I was supposed to be checking if I had to. But anyway, uh, for the test, you have to know it. And I remember passing that one, and what a relief that was. But then my last, my, the last test I ever took in Bible college was Greek four. I had to uh, pass this class in order to graduate and move on. In life, and uh, I remember Greek four. There were only three of us that took Greek three, and only three of us that took Greek four. And so there were three of us that kind of went through this class. And um, and basically, what we had to do in Greek four, we were given what the test was probably going to be on. It was going to be somewhere in First John. Now, if you know First John, the book of First John has five different chapters. And the professor said, all right, we're gonna, you're gonna, I'm going to pick a, a little passage, uh, two or three or four verses from the book of 1 John. I'm not going to tell you where, 
but uh, I'm going to give it to you in Greek, and then you have to translate it into English, and you have to kind of show your work a little bit, but uh, ultimately I'm looking for the English, and that's, that's your Greek final. And I remember looking through 1 John and trying to study 1 John. And uh, the day of the final, uh, I was sitting in the cafeteria at the time, which is uh, not the cafeteria anymore. But I remember sitting in there uh, during breakfast before my final and and looking through. And my favorite passage in 1 John is uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, where he says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. I remember going... Well, that would be something if that was, the, that was the final. And I remember just looking through it and just praising the Lord for what those verses say. I'll get to Greek 4, and sure enough, 1 John 3, 1 through 3. And I was like, yes, praise the Lord. And uh, I had kind of just kind of almost memorized it, and so it was really easy. I got an A on the final. It was a great deal. And uh, so that was my final exam and, uh, in, in Bible college. Well, uh, tonight we're going to talk about the final exam that Joseph gives to his brothers. Even though they don't know they're being tested, they don't know they're about to take their final exam, but this is their final exam. And, uh, and so um, how would they do on this final exam? Would they pass? Would they barely pass? Would they pass with flying colors? Uh, what, what, what grade would they get on this particular test? Well, we're going to find out uh, tonight, and hopefully we'll learn some lessons uh, along the way for ourselves that we can apply to our own lives. And so let's get into it tonight, the message. Uh, it, first of all, I want us to notice in the beginning part of this chapter, we see, number one, the conspiracy. Uh, the conspiracy. Now, last Sunday, if you were able to tune into our online service, uh, we were in uh, chapter 43. And in chapter 43, we looked at the second time the brothers went down to Egypt to purchase food. Remember, they went... They went down to Egypt for the first time. They uh, brought food back to dad and they said, hey, we can't go back. And remember, uh, Joseph uh, kept uh, Simeon as collateral and said, if you come back and you want your brother back, you have to bring your youngest brother with you. So they went back to uh, uh, Canaan and told dad this. And and he said, no way, no how. You're not bringing Benjamin. There's absolutely no way you're going to do that. Well, eventually it got to the point where the food ran out and Mother Hubbard's cupboard was uh, empty. And so uh, Jacob said, and he said, you know what? We need to go back to Egypt and get some more food. We need to go see that man. And uh, if you remember, Judah uh, speaks up and he says, "Uh, I think we need to go and and, and do this. And and, uh, Jacob said, well... uh, don't take, my, don't take the youngest brother. And he said, look, I will be surety for him. I will take personal responsibility to make sure that Benjamin comes back safe and sound. Uh, and if not, let it be upon me. And uh, that showed, if you recall last Sunday, that showed tremendous growth over what took place earlier in Judah's life. How in chapter 38, he lived his life for himself. He was uh, just thinking about himself and doing whatever he wanted to do. And as a result, he ended up uh, committing some great, uh, great sins, and, and his family brought tremendous shame for the name of the Lord's sake. And um, then he ends up back with, with Jacob. He comes back home, and, and now all of a sudden, he's showing tremendous growth. He's willing to take personal responsibility for, uh, for his youngest brother. Well, then we also saw uh, Israel's generosity. When uh, chapter 42, remember when uh, 
in chapter 42, when he said, no, you cannot take Benjamin down, he was living by sight at that point. Uh, he was saying, I, I, I'm not willing to uh, let my youngest son go. I don't think he's going to make it back. I'm living by sight. And then chapter 43, though, the Bible uses the name Israel. Remember, God changed Jacob's name to Israel. And every time we see Jacob's name used after that point, it's always because he's living by, by sight and he's living uh, as a manipulator still. He's living kind of the old Jacob life. But then when, when the Bible refers to him as Israel, he's uh, the prince of God again. And, uh, and in chapter 43, he's the prince of God, and he, he uses the Lord's name, and he, uh, he's thinking about God and putting God into the equation and, and trusting the Lord in verse 14 of chapter 43. And so he sends them out, and uh, he gives them uh, above and beyond what they were supposed to bring uh, to be a blessing and uh, generous to Joseph. Well, then we, we, we see the brothers get to Joseph's house, and they were, I imagine, again, as I mentioned last Sunday, hoping probably for a really quick transaction, you know. Hey, here's the youngest brother, Benjamin. Can we, and here's the money, here's some extra money, here's some presents. Can we just get Simeon and our food and go home, please? But that's not what happened. Uh, when Joseph saw Benjamin, he brought him to his house. He uh, made sure that uh, the steward and servant brought the brothers to Joseph's house. And uh, they were scared in verse number 18 because they were brought into Joseph's house. Um, and they thought, oh, that we're going to be in trouble. He's going to put us into prison. He's going he's to take all of our stuff. And uh, they had some tremendous guilt. Now, it wasn't guilt for the money that they took because they, they weren't the ones who put the money in their sacks. It was the steward of the house. But their guilt, I think, comes from what they did to Joseph almost 20 years before, or over 20 years before. And so they keep, continue to carry this guilt, and, and uh, what Joseph's doing is trying to pull out and, and, and trying to get them to deal with this particular sin. Well, then we saw uh, the grace that Joseph displayed to those in his own home. Um, that steward had the right words and the right vocabulary, and of course he learned that, uh, the steward learned that from Joseph. Joseph was a tremendous example and a tremendous uh, made an impact in uh, those he was around, and then also the grace that he showed uh, his brothers. And uh, we, we, we ended chapter 43, and chapter 43 ends with a, a, a pop quiz, all right? And so uh, we're, we're talking tonight about the final exam, but the pop quiz that he gives the brothers in verse 34, when uh, he sits them down to eat, he brings Benjamin five times as much food as the other brothers. And so, uh, once again, uh, they're faced with the youngest brother getting preferential treatment. How would they react to this? Would they be jealous like they were 20 years before when Joseph was getting preferential treatment? How would they react? Would they sit there and say, hey, this isn't fair. How come he gets five times as how come he gets five slices of pizza and I only get one? I can see that happening in our home. <laughs> uh, Mark, you're going to get five pieces of pizza. Where is Mark? There he is. Okay. Mark, you're going to get five pieces of pizza tonight and the rest of the kids just one. He's pretty happy, but how would the other brothers feel? How would the rest of the siblings feel? It ain't fear. Basically, what 
Joseph was doing was giving them a pop quiz to see how they would respond to this particular test. Well, at the end of that, in verse 34, it says, and as they drank, uh, and they drank and were merry with him. It didn't seem to bother them. They seemed to be happy that they weren't in prison and uh, like they deserved to be. So uh, once again here, uh, as they have this meal now, after some time, uh, he commands the steward of his house in verse number one of chapter 44 to fill the men's sacks with food as much as they can carry and put every man's money in his sack's mouth. So in this conspiracy, Joseph was testing and dealing with a couple things. First of all, he was dealing with their greed, their greed. Remember that instead of being killed by his brothers, Joseph was sold by his brothers for 20 pieces of silver over 20 years before. You see, they wanted money. And uh, Joseph knew that they had a love for money. And so he gives them money. And he says, you want money? I'm going to show you how much money I'm going to give you. And so he puts the money back into their sacks, the money that they brought. Remember uh, last week I said, okay, imagine if they originally brought $500 for their food uh, the first time, their first visit to Egypt. Well, they spent that $500 on the food. Joseph decides that he's going to put that $500 back in their sacks and they get to the end, they realize, oh, great, all of our money's here. They're going to think we stole it. So they get back and tell dad the whole thing. And dad says, all right, well, I want you to take that $500 back to them because they probably think you stole that. And so we're going to put that back. And then I'm going to give you uh, money to buy new food. And uh, just in case there's some inflation, we're going to double it. So he ends up sending them back with the original $500 and then the double amount, which would be another $1,000, so $1,500, uh, they're walking back home again to Canaan uh, with $1,500. Um, and uh, just to kind of test and see how they, uh, to deal with this greed that they've had for all these years. Uh, I want to remind us all, and, and uh, I think he was trying to show them too, that money cannot satisfy. And uh, I want to remind us all, uh, tonight, that while money is not wrong, those who chase it and their whole focus of life is to get money, they're headed for ruin. My Bible still says in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse number 9, but they that will be rich, those that seek out riches and, and make that their whole life's goal and purpose, they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. The next verse says, and we're familiar with this one, for the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. That is still in the Bible. And uh, I know that, look, we need money to be able to provide for our families. And um, I understand that money is necessary to live. And, uh, but if we get to the point where we're chasing money, uh, we're chasing a false god. One day, a, a certain old rich man of a miserable disposition visited a minister. And this minister took the rich man by the hand and led him to a window. He said to the rich man, I want you to look out that window. 
And what do you see? Well, the, the man said, well, I see, I see men, I see women, I see children. And, and the minister took him by the hand and then led him to a mirror this time. And now what do you see? Well, now I see myself, the rich man said. Well, the minister replied, well, look, when you look through the window, there is, uh, the, the window there is glass, and in the mirror there is glass, but the glass of the mirror is covered with silver, just a little bit of silver. And no sooner is the silver added than you, than you cease to see others, but you only see yourself. And if we're not careful, we'll let silver be the thing that we're focused on. And when we do that, all we think about is ourself. We're not thinking about others because we're, we, we have that silver, that, that gold, that, that money that's hindering our eyesight. And we need to be careful and make sure that we always make sure that God is first, not gold. Uh, too many people have put gold above God and, and, and that's a dangerous thing. And uh, what Joseph was doing here was trying to deal with that aspect of his brothers because at one point in their life, uh, before doing the honorable thing, they chose to make some money. And uh, they lost their character. Yes, they uh, gained some gold. They gained a little bit of, uh, uh, of some coinage and some silver. But uh, it wasn't worth it. So he was dealing with that, but he was also dealing not only with their greed, but he was also dealing with their grudge. See, when Joseph, in verse number two, when he put uh, his cup in Benjamin's backpack, what he was doing was putting a time bomb in there that would eventually go off, and he was going to see how the brothers would respond to the possibility of losing their youngest brother once again. And this would be the final exam. This was the ultimate test. Would they leave Benjamin behind in Egypt and repeat their sin from two decades earlier? Or would they display a change of heart? This is what he was testing. As I was thinking about that, I was thinking about sometimes we wonder why we continue to be tempted with the same sin over and over again. And this is what Joseph was kind of doing with his brothers. He was putting that same temptation that they had 20 years before in front of them once again. Sometimes we're tempted with the same sin over and over again. Why would God allow this? Now, I want to be very clear this evening that we know that God is not the one tempting us. Right? The Bible says in James 1 and verse 13, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. So God doesn't tempt us, but within his sovereign plans, sometimes he allows temptation to come into our life. Why? Well, perhaps the same temptation comes into our life because we haven't learned the lesson the first time. Perhaps to see if we have learned our lesson from last time and to see if this time we will resist the temptation. And I believe that this is many time, or pretty much what Joseph was doing here to his brothers to see if this time they would resist that temptation to just leave Benjamin in Egypt and go back to dad and say, sorry, you were right, we shouldn't have taken him, we lost him, sorry about that. Or if they were going to show a change of heart. So this was the conspiracy is uh, Joseph planted uh, the money there and he also planted this silver cup uh, and... Uh, 
sure enough, here we go. Let's go to the confrontation. So we see the conspiracy, and then now we look at the confrontation. Let's look in verse number four. When they were gone out of the city and not yet far off, Joseph said unto his steward, okay, here's the plan. You you planted the silver cup in in Benjamin's uh, backpack. Um, Here's here's what I want you to do now that they're they're out of the city, uh, but not too far out. Uh, I want you to follow after the men, and when thou dost overtake them, here's what I want you to say to them. Wherefore have ye rewarded evil for good? Is not this... It in which my Lord drinketh, and whereby indeed he divineth, ye have done evil in so doing. Um, By the way, uh, the word divining here um, is a little bit, it's it's a little bit like a Ouija board, a little bit, where the, uh, the user of it would use this cup to maybe see things as a fortune teller would. Um, now, dividing by cups, we learn, was a common custom in Egypt. This is what a lot of powerful individuals in Egypt used. Um, and here it is mentioned to enhance the value of the cup. And it was mentioned to show that the, pow- the power of Joseph. Now, a couple times in this passage, it almost looks like that Joseph was the one doing the divining. Um, that he participated in this fortune-telling type scenario. Um, but I, I honestly don't believe that he was part of that. I think it was just part of the act. I think it was part of the, uh, the facade that he was trying to uh, put on to his brothers before the great reveal. Um, because every time, he, every time he interpreted a dream, who did he give praise to? Not to this cup, but to God. And so I, I really honestly don't believe that Joseph participated in any of this divining, but I think it was part of the, and a lot of commentators believe this too, it was part of the act that he was uh, trying to portray this man of great power and uh, of great ability. And he, he was, but not because of a cup, but because of God. At any rate, let's keep reading here. In verse number, um, verse number six, so the servant overdoes, uh, overtakes him. They, he indeed overtakes them. And he spake unto them these same words. Uh, And they said unto him, Wherefore saith my Lord these words? God forbid that thy servant should do according to this thing. Behold the money which, um, and and this is the brother's response uh, to to the, the steward here. Behold the money which we found in our sacks' mouths, we brought again unto thee out of the land of Canaan. How then should we steal out of thy Lord's house silver or gold? We didn't do it. And look in verse number nine. With whomsoever of thy servants it is it be found, this is kind of rash here. Both let him die, and we also will be my Lord's bondmen. So if there is a cup in one of our backpacks, whoever whoever's backpack it is, let him die. And the rest of us will be your servants. But we didn't take anything. So that was a little rash because uh, they uh, They didn't realize that there was indeed a silver cup in one of their backpacks. Well, verse number 10, uh, the servant kind of changes it up a little bit and says, well, I appreciate what you're saying here. We're going to change it up a little bit. And here's what he changes it. Now also let it be according to your words. He with whom it is found shall be my servant and ye shall be blameless. In other words, we're not going to kill whoever has the silver cup. 
We're not going to kill them. And uh, we're not going to make you all our servants. We just want the one that took the cup. He's going to be our servant. And so he, he changes it up a little bit. And basically, this is all just a big ploy and plot to get Benjamin to stay and to see how the brothers are going to react. So verse 11, Then they speedily took down every man his sack to the ground and opened every man his sack. The servant said, All right, get your sacks on the ground. We're going to start opening them. Verse 12, And he searched and began at the eldest. And so he started with Reuben and worked his way all the way down to Benjamin. And so far, you know, for the first 10 brothers, there is no cup. And so they're kind of like, this is so dumb. We're not guilty. Why are we even doing this? Well, then in verse 12, and began at the eldest and left at the youngest, and the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. Well, verse 13, here's how the brothers responded. They rent their clothes and ladded every man his ass and returned to the city. And they're going, gulp. Benjamin, why did you do this? And so the bomb goes off. How will the brothers react? And here's the, here was the confrontation. But now let's pick it up here. Uh, let's read here in verse number uh, 14 through 15 here. And Judah and his brethren came to Joseph's house, for he was yet there, and they fell before him on the ground. Of course, Joseph knew this was going to happen. right? So he's just waiting for them and just is going to see, how are they going to do on this test? This is their final exam. How are they going to do? What grade are they going to get on this? And so they fall before him on the ground. And Joseph said unto them, What deed is this that ye have done? What ye not that such a man as I can certainly divine? He said, I can see, I saw through my abilities the fact that there was a cup in one of your sacks. Now, again, I don't think he really did divine because he didn't. That's not how he knew it was there. The reason he knew it was there is because he told his servant to put it there. So I don't think that Joseph was involved in this, but he was playing the part of an Egyptian. Okay, so that was the confrontation, but now let's move on to number three here, the confession. And let's pick it up in verse 16. Judah said, What shall we say unto my Lord? What shall we speak? How shall we clear ourselves? God hath found out the iniquity of thy servants. Behold, we are my Lord's servants, both we and he also with whom the cup is found. And he said, God forbid that I should do so, but the man in whose hand the cup is found, he shall be my servant. And as for you, get you up in peace unto your father. So Joseph says, uh, look, you can apologize all you want and you can all want to be uh, my servants, but Honestly, all I want is Benjamin, Benjamin to stay and be my servant, and the rest of you go back to your dad. Well, verse 18, here Judah again takes the stage and takes leadership among the brothers, and he becomes a spokesman for the brothers. And, uh, and uh, here we go. Judah shows that he meant what he promised his dad back in Canaan. Verse number 18, Judah came near unto him and said, O my Lord, let thy servant, I pray thee, Speak a word in my Lord's ears, and let not thine anger burn against thy servant, for thou art even as Pharaoh. My Lord asked his servants, saying, Have ye a father or a brother? And we said unto my Lord, We have a father, an old man, a, a child of his old age, a little one. And his brother is dead, and he alone is left of his mother, and his father loveth him. 
And thou saidest unto thy servants, Bring him down unto me, that I may set mine eyes upon him. And we said unto my Lord, The lad cannot leave his father, for if he should leave his father, his father would die. And thou saidest unto thy servants, Except your youngest brother come down with you, you shall see my face no more. Well, it came to pass, when we came up unto thy servant, my father, we told him the words of my Lord. And our father said, Eventually, go again and buy us a little food. And we said, well, we cannot go down. If our youngest brother be with us, then will we, uh, then will we go down? For we, may be, for we may not see the, young, the man's face except our youngest brother be with us. And thy servant, my father, said unto us, Ye know that my wife bare me two sons. The one went out from me, and I said, Surely he is torn in pieces, and I saw him not, um, not since. And as, as Judah is telling Joseph this story, finally he, he's hearing how they reported to dad about Joseph's uh, supposed death. And uh, now Joseph is, is realizing how his dad reacted to the fake news that Joseph was dead. And, uh, and how, how sorrowful he was and how hurt uh, jo- Jacob was, Israel was, about Joseph's uh, supposed death. And, and you got to imagine Joseph seeing this and hearing this for the first time, going 20 years ago, this is kind of what went, went on, and, and, and now he's hearing about it for the first time on, on, on what, how, that, how that went down. Well, verse 29, he goes and says, and, and if you take this also from me, this is dad talking here, if you take this also from me and mischief befall him, you shall bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. Now, therefore, when I come to thy servant, my father, and the lad be not with us, this is Judah speaking again, seeing that his life is bound up in the lad's life, it shall come to pass when he seeth that the lad is not with us, that he will die, and thy servants shall bring down the gray hairs of thy servant, our father, with sorrow to the grave. For thy servant became surety for the lad unto my father, saying, If I bring him not unto thee, then I shall bear the blame to my father forever. Judah saying, this is what I told dad, this is what I told my dad, and I'm going to be a man of my word. Well, verse 32, for thy servant became surety for the lad, and uh, I'm sorry, verse 33, now therefore I pray thee, let thy servant abide instead of the lad, a bondman to my Lord, and let the lad go up with his brethren. Basically, you know what Judah was saying? Let Benjamin go, I'm going to take his spot. Wow. This is a far cry from 20 years ago when they all said, let's get rid of our youngest brother because he's annoying. Uh, There's been some real maturity in the life of Judah especially. For him, not the oldest brother. I mean, Reuben Reuben was a spokesman for a little bit. But here Judah is willing to take the lead and say, I'm willing to be the substitute. I'm willing to take his spot in prison so that the youngest brother can go free. No wonder Jesus came from the line of Judah. Because isn't that what Jesus did for us? Didn't he take our spot when we deserved to be in prison, to be uh, in hell forever because of our sin? Jesus said, no, no, I'll, I'll take Eric's spot on the cross of Calvary. Yes, Eric deserves to die on the cross and to suffer all the pain and the anguish, but I'm going to take his spot. I'm going to be his substitute. 
Well, Judah here is saying, no, please, Joseph. He didn't know his name was Joseph yet, but um, he's about to know. Well, verse 34, For how shall I go up to my father, and the lad be not with me, lest peradventure I see the evil that shall come on my father? He said, please, don't, don't do this, because I cannot go and face my dad with another instance. I can't do this again. So guess what? Judah got it. Judah passed the test. The brothers passed the test. He offers to take Benjamin's place. What a change. So, did they pass the test? Yes, they passed with flying colors. And if you want to spoil alert to what's going to happen next, let's read the first verse of the next chapter, because I can't wait till next time. Verse 1 of chapter 45, Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. You know, again, how, how was this speech that Judah was, was giving, was it going to work? Well, yeah, it did. In verse 1, he couldn't refrain himself. He couldn't keep it in any longer. And uh, he cried, saying, cause, cause every man to go out from me. I don't want people to see me like this. And there stood no man with him. And, jo- and while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. They passed the test. It was a tough one. What would they do with Benjamin? I w- would they just say, ah, oh, well, another brother lost. We've got, there's 10 left. I mean, it's not like there's not a lot of brothers here. No, they they decided this time it was going to be different. This time they were going to treat their family right. This time they were going to honor the Lord and how they handled this situation. They had learned the lessons. They got it. And the question for all of us tonight is, have you got it? God gives us tests on a regular basis. And and, and we're still learning, we're still growing, but hopefully we're learning the lessons along the way and we don't have to keep being uh, taught the same lesson over and over and over again because we're too thick in our heads. Hopefully we get it. Joseph's brothers got it. What about us? The Bible tells us that growth, uh, that 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 we're supposed to grow, and, and, and growing means that we learn these lessons and move on with eventual other lessons. Second Peter chapter 1 says this, Besides this, giving all diligence, this is what we are to do as believers, giving all diligence too. I, I want to I go through a series one time eventually here at Cornerstone on the word diligence, the things we're supposed to do diligently. And uh, there's a lot of different things in the Bible that that's a good word study. Well, giving all diligence here, we're to add to our faith virtue, and then to virtue, knowledge, and then to knowledge, temperance, and then to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, one thing builds upon another in the Christian life. A lot, of, a lot of Christians, they get saved, and then that's kind of where it ends in their journey of growth. Hey, I, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I mean, I don't really need to grow in the Lord. Uh, no, we're to grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, Peter said. At the end, the last verse that he wrote was, uh, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We're to grow. We're not just to get saved and say, well, got fire insurance 
uh, let's move on with the rest of my life and do what I want to do. Now we're supposed to be growing as believers. And Peter tells us uh, some things and some areas in which we're to grow. During the last couple of weeks, during our little quarantine scenario, I had the wonderful privilege and tremendous opportunity and the honor of my life to help my son with math. <laughs> my son Seth and I got to do quite a bit of math over the last couple of weeks together, uh, doing irrational equations. And uh, he began to think, this is just irrational. Why are we even doing this? Uh, and we got, to do, we got to use the quadratic formula. Man, it was fun. What is the quadratic formula? It's negative b plus or minus the square root of b squared minus 4ac all over 2a. See? But Dan made sure I got it right. So he's, he, he's my math buddy. Um, you want to borrow my son? Because you can get... You can really have some fun with him. Um, but one, one of the things about math, right, is that you learn a particular aspect of math, and then you move on to the next one, and it builds upon the principles that you learned previously. And, and that's, that's the case with the Christian life as well. Um, <laughs> we need to learn the lessons that God's trying to teach us. And not wait 57 times before taking the test, before we pass it. These guys had two tests, and they failed the first time, but then they passed with flying colors the second time. And as God tests us uh, to see if we've learned the lessons that He's trying to teach us, I hope it doesn't take us 37 times of taking the test before we actually pass. Um, I hope that we're able to learn and grow uh, sooner than later, because we only have a short time. This life is a vapor, and it's going to be gone soon. And uh, we, need, we don't really have a lot of time to waste on learning lessons that should have, we should have learned way back when, overcoming sin and overcoming uh, temptation and, and, and dealing with the same things that we've been dealing with for 20, 30 years. Uh, let's, let's learn those lessons and move on with other things that God wants us to learn. And so that's the encouragement for us tonight as we look at the final exam that these brothers took. And I praise the Lord that they passed that test and hopefully we'll pass the test that come our way as well. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for allowing us to be in your house tonight. Thank you for the time in your word. Uh, Lord, I ask that uh, you would uh, bless this uh, time together uh, as we uh, discuss the business of the church. Uh, Lord, I ask that uh, you would help us also to apply the message we just learned. Help us, Lord, to um, pass the tests as you give them to us. Help us, Lord, to uh, grow and to show maturity in our faith. And uh, Lord, thank you for uh, what we looked at tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, we are going to sing uh, a song, 807 in the hymnal, The Family of God, and the words will be on the screen. And then uh, we'll go ahead and move into our uh, business meeting here in just a moment. going to mention you guys are welcome to stay for the business meeting so it probably won't take too long so yeah you guys are welcome to stay